0: Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Robots Podcast. Today we're going to leave this lovely Earth and visit our neighbour, the Moon. Well, not exactly actually, but we'll be hearing from a team of scientists working to develop the Lunaroo, a hopping robot designed to exploit the Moon's lower gravity to leap up to 20 metres above the surface. The 70-strong team, coordinated by Dr. Yuxi Juxy-Leitner, called the Part-Time Scientists, have already won a total of U.S. dollars in milestone prizes as part of the Google Lunar X-Prize competition. They hope to eventually soft-land two lunar rovers in travel distance to the Apollo 17 landing site using a fully autonomous soft-landing vehicle. Our interviewer, Ron Bunterclay, caught up with Dr. Leitner at the newly formed ARC Centre of Excellence in Robotic Vision at the Queensland University of Technology to find out more.
1: Good afternoon, see If I can just get you to first introduce yourself to the podcast listeners.
0: Yeah, hello.
2: My name is Jyotsi Leitner. I'm a research fellow at the Australian Centre for Robotic Vision here at the Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane, Australia.
1: And the reason for our conversation is about a project called Lunar Roo. If you can first give us a background of what Lunar Roo is. Yeah,
2: so the Lunar Roo project is a project that we started about a year ago to um, land a small payload on the moon and hop around.
1: Great. Uh, So... Uh, when you say a small payload, are you referring to uh, something that is a cube size, a cube-shaped object? Uh, uh, what kind of dimensions are we talking about?
2: Yes, when we refer to a small payload, we're actually talking about a 10-centimeter cube. That's very similar to the CubeSat standard uh, for like, smaller satellites in orbit. And we're trying to be, uh, in the same specification, around 10 centimeters per side, roughly 1.3 kilograms as a maximum payload.
1: Okay, and uh, <clears throat> the interesting part of course of uh, Lunar Roo is locomotion. Can you give us a little bit of background of, uh, of the locomotion system?
2: Sure. Um, the, the locomotion system for the Lunar Roo is inspired by the kangaroo. So it's a hopping payload, so it, it hops around uh, based on a spring system. And the idea there is that if you have a lower gravity environment compared to Earth, for example, on the Moon, which is a sixth of the gravity, you can jump six times high with the spring.
1: So uh, the locomotion is continuous uh, once the, the spring is loaded by some kind of a solenoid? Have I got that correct?
2: So we, we looked at solenoids, but actually currently we, we don't have a solenoid in the system. But yes, we have a preloaded spring. And basically for the first prototype, we basically just jump once. Basically unleash the spring. The spring pushes uh, the pusher plate of the, of the cube against the ground, and it lifts off the cube up to maybe 10 20 meters a year.
1: And and that's 10 or 20 meters on the lunar lunar surface? Yes, that's 10 or 20 meters on the moon. Okay. What kind of hardware are we uh working on uh with this particular prototype payload? Um I've I've heard things like uh, uh an arm processor, uh off-the-shelf uh components, cameras, etc.
2: Yes, so we are, we're trying to keep this uh, as cheap as possible, and we're using custom-off-the-shelf hardware. Um, right now, we're looking for a prototype, and we're more looking at an Arduino or Raspberry Pi-based systems that provide us the computational power. That means also, for example, we want to carry lots of, of cameras with us just because we're the center for robotic vision, but these are currently not uh, processed on board. For the actual payload, yes, we hope to do that, but there might be some more advanced um Development for, for example, an ARM processor, although it needs radiation hardening to be on the moon.
1: Okay, and when you when you're talking about things like arms and, and processor, processor, kind of testing have you done at this preliminary stage? I've I've heard of balloons and drop tests. What um what have you been looking at?
2: Yes, so so right now we have not done any um, like high altitude tests, like a stratospheric balloon. But there has been some uh, QT clubs, like student clubs, that have tested some of uh, the electronics hardware. So, we're hoping to bring some of these students in. For us, the Lunaroo is really a project that the students are, are pushing forward. So, we have lots of undergrad students working on this. And for us, it's also a way of getting these people excited about doing robotics research. And I think space exploration is very exciting for, for them as much as is it is
1: for us. Okay. Dwelling back on, on hardware and software, uh, what type of software are you looking at? Is ROS going to be part of the equation or just the off-the-shelf Linux? Um...
2: Yeah. So, right now, we are our own sort of very simple system because we don't have a fully integrated system yet. So we're testing specifications of, for example, the jump or the cameras, and we're basically writing our own uh, low-level systems. It would be kind of cool to have the first ROS node on the moon, but I think for the final uh, payload, that might be a bit of an overkill, and we might need a very specific system that can also talk to the to the main rover. So we are planning to be a secondary payload.
1: Okay. Of course, this project has a silver lining. This is all about um, talking to the uh, Google Lunar X Prize. Um, how do you fit into into this environment?
2: Yeah. So the Google Lunar X Prize uh, has inspired lots of teams to to try to push the boundaries of what can be done on the moon. And so basically there's a few teams competing to traverse 500 meters on the moon. Some of these teams actually have opened a call for secondary payloads, both on their landers and on their rovers. So we're talking to PT scientists, which is a European team, and um, one of the opportunities would be to fly as a secondary payload on their rover. So we would be closely in contact with the rover. Our hopping payload would, for example, take images around the the rover, uh, which would then hopefully help the rover for, for example, navigation or communications.
1: Okay. Right. So you're taking the, the background photos, the shots, the, uh, the terrain uh, maps for the primary payload, the, the rover, and, and somehow feeding that back? Is that the mission? Yes,
2: Yes. So this is the mission plan that we have uh, proposed to PT scientists. The idea would be just, for example, from, from the publicity point of view, just hopping and taking a, a picture of the rover so you have kind of like a remote selfie drone sort of picture from, from like 10 centimetres above. But it would also be hopefully some science contribution in the sense that you can uh, reconstruct the surface and build a digital elevation map, which would also help, for example, navigation of the rover, especially sort of beyond the horizon.
1: So as as you already pointed out before, this initially is just one... One hop for mankind, as they say in the in the movies. But um, if you were to take this further, are you thinking of being able to use this as a primary uh, locomotion, say the lunar surface, um, being able to hop to the left and right and go forward? And
2: yeah, yes, definitely. So um, we have a few plans for the future and where we want to go with this project and follow-up projects. Definitely the ability to, to plan your hops and, for example, hop to very interesting points and do this repeatedly is something that they're very interested in. That's also one of the reasons why we're having a spring. Um, we don't have like a fuel, like a, like a chemical propulsion system that will run out over time. We just need to sort of recharge the spring. So the idea would definitely be to hop multiple times from a primary payload point of view. It's it's interesting to try, but I think there is also options for doing this on even lower gravitational um, exploration missions, like for example an asteroid mission, where you even have lower gravitational pull. So you might actually hop almost into orbit by doing this on on an asteroid.
1: Oh, okay. Given that, what would you say could be the difficulties in having an autonomous controlled device that jumps up and down, With the, given the delay to talking to a command system back on Earth. It's yes, you,
2: you definitely want to have some autonomous control systems on board. So, for example, if you want to just stabilize the cube in the air, you can't really send data back and forth. This has to be really done in, in very small time frames on board of the system. So, so, basically, we're trying to have a very tight coupling between the stabilizing Uh, subsystem and for example the hopping subsystem.
1: If you have success with the competition who finally uh, builds this machine for you? Is it your team or are there experts ready to jump at the idea as they say?
2: So we are just a a small university lab and there's only a few undergrad students working on it so far but um, if this is actually getting to picked up as a full mission we would definitely need some help. Um, one of the partners that we talked to is CSIRO, and they are very interested in, in, for example, a hopping platform also for uh, rainforest exploration or other very hard-to-traverse environments. So that's definitely one of them. And we're in talks with some space agencies in Europe and in the U.S. that are interested in, in helping us out in case we actually need to, to build the system in a, in a very short time frame.
1: As, as being part of the XPRIZE project, do you know what the, uh, the main goal of the mission to to the Moon is for the XPRIZE?
2: Yes, so um, we would be a secondary payload to, to a team that's pe- competing in the, in the Google Luna Prize, And the main um, competition target there is to traverse 500 metres on the surface of the Moon possibly visit some historically uh, relevant sites, for example, Apollo landing sites. And the other um, option or the other um, price money is, uh, is given to the team that provides a continuous HD stream, like a high-definition camera stream back from the moon.
1: What is the launch date once everything's approved? So the teams are always a bit
2: um, secretive about their launch plans because it's a competition after all. Um, from about 20 teams that are, I think, still in officially in the race for the Google Lunar X Prize, I think there's around five that have signed launch contracts or are in the process of signing a launch contract. They haven't really released anything with too many details. My my assumption is that by the end of 2017, we'll see the first teams trying to, to reach the moon.
1: Apart from the camera, uh, have you thought of any other kind of Uh, Sensory equipment that you could equip the device with, um, like uh, laser scanners, um, infrared, ultraviolet? Is there anything else?
2: So we have so far only looked really closely at the camera systems and, for example, what sort of configuration of cameras or multiple cameras or, for example, hyperspectral light field cameras, that sort of thing. This is because we have a research focus on cameras. But, for example, talking to, as I mentioned, some some other people in the space industry and in in space exploration agencies, there's interest for for some more scientific measurements in that sort of area. One really interesting for the Moon would be to measure the local magnetic field of the Moon. So um, the Moon has lots of different very local magnetic fields coming from impacts. So measuring those, and especially measuring those not just on the surface, but also in uh, like altitudes of up to 100 metres would be very interesting for some of the researchers.
1: Oh. And where do you see your work going as far as the students? So, so
2: as I said, we, we really use that as, as finding interesting people and people that are interested in doing robotics with us. So from the undergrad students, I really hope that they will stay with us doing a PhD in robotics and robotic vision here at QUT. But uh, from the lunar route side, um, as I mentioned also briefly before, there's also terrestrial application for hopping or jumping robots, so there would be definitely room to, to investigate that further, not just as a space exploration platform, but for example, an exploration platform for disaster or search and rescue and very very hard to traverse environments.
1: And finally, one important question, where do you think robotics is heading in the near future? And say so that the next 10 or 20 years, what do you think is the next hurdle that we may cross? Well,
2: I think um, it's always a bit hard to predict the future and uh, either you, you underestimate your, or you terribly overestimate. But I think robotics has seen a, a lot of Uh, momentum and has built up a lot of momentum over the last few years. There's a lot of industry interest, both from like old um, industrial applications, but also very, um, lots of new uh, ideas and and sort of new IT companies that feel that robotics is, is one of the next big things. Personally, I think one of the really interesting things is the intersection between artificial intelligence and robotics. I think um, solving, for example, chess um, for AI is a very important step. But to have an embodied agent acting in the real world is a very hard problem. For example, if you want to compare with a kid, um, like every chess playing robot beats the average human player right now. But uh, like actually moving the chess pieces on a physical board. Every two-, three-year-old kid can do that a lot better than most of the robots that are out there right now. So I think one of the really interesting things to see over the next few years is the combination of AI in the sense of building more robust robots that can actually interact in the world.
1: Okay. On behalf of the podcast, I'd like to thank you for your time, Jutzi.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you too.
0: And that's the end of today's episode. As always, you can find out more about this episode and catch up with any podcast episodes you've missed by visiting us at robohub.org. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Luna with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.